0: Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And I'm your host, Gary Turner. I'm also the founder of HexoChange. And HexoChange is a transformational change practice dedicated to helping you connect yourself to others and to systems at large in a more meaningful way, thus helping us turn around our workplace and planetary challenges and accelerating how alive we all feel in every aspect of our lives. This track is called Kaleidoscope and was created for me personally and for HexoChange by Peter Griffiths, one half of the amazing Mind Takeaway. I hope you enjoy this exploration and please do share it on your social platforms so we can bring more humanity to more people. Hope to speak to you soon. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. This morning, I'm really excited to welcome George Kiley. Hi, George. Hello. Hello, George. How are you?
1: I'm very well, thank you, Gary. Very well indeed.
0: Brilliant. Well, look, th- thanks a lot for joining me this morning, George. Um, so, j- just for those that may be listening for the first time, um, you know, this podcast has three sort of general themes, but they're pretty flexible around inclusion, vulnerability, and self-awareness. And you and I met, I believe, it was uh, Perry Tim's connected us, wasn't it? A short yes. Back.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'd, I'd reached out to Perry after learning about some of his work and some um, hearing about some of his talks at various events on these themes, and uh, he pointed me your way, and it's worked out to be a really interesting and a useful con- uh, connection.
0: No, great. Well, look, thanks, thanks again for joining me today. So maybe, maybe as we get going, would you mind giving the sort of listeners a bit of a background? Now, who is George? What's your background? What are you up to at the moment? That'd be, be great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I'm George and um, I'm 32, um, based uh, in London and uh, for a long time in my early 20s to 30s was working in a busy sales capacity, um, various size organisations um, right from some of the bigger investment banks to a smaller uh, kind of SME, business intelligence company. The role largely the same, um, but uh, in different organisational structures and during that time uh, was very conscious, I suppose, of my physical health and some of the benefits of you know keeping fit and healthy. And I think that's fairly reflective of uh, of the wider population. Uh, to be honest, uh, I wanted to keep fit and healthy. I wanted to be at my best, uh, you know, during during work, but also at the weekends and trying to eat the right things and look after myself. But um, something in all honesty, I wasn't very conscious of, and I didn't realise the implications of. Uh, was the kind of mental side of health and, uh, and looking after yourself in terms of well-being, uh, stress, anxiety uh, and issues like vulnerability and, uh, and associated uh, conditions. So during that period of time, uh, whilst I was considering myself sort of ticking along and, and going places, I wasn't necessarily my best self and uh, over a period of Probably a couple of years, if I'm honest now and look back, uh, that was that was building up, uh, working uh, a lot, uh, kind of pushing myself where I could and dealing with those kind of day- to day issues, both at work um, but also you know outside of work, whether it be you know getting a getting a first property or uh, in relationships and and bit by bit, that that was kind of building up on me. And I didn't know this. Mm-hmm. It's only looking back that I can identify that it was, but um, eventually kind of snapped, I suppose. I, I, I was going about my day to day and I was just a regular day in the office. I went for a client meeting just across the city. I was sat in reception and uh, it was a very, very strange uh, situation to be in. I, I, was, I was focused you know, 100% on, on the conversation that I was about to have, what the relationship we'd had with the client before, what I was hoping to achieve, mm-hmm. where I thought they might take the conversation. Kind of out of the blue, I just almost Felt myself separating from my physical self, and everything started to move very slowly. Couldn't, I really couldn't relate to the feeling. It was very new to me. Um, and then I started to, I, I tried to focus on individual elements within the room. Like if I was looking outside, or I was looking, at kind of focus on something to kind of ground myself. Within a few moments, I, I essentially I lost consciousness, and I was uh, later woke up and in hospital and you know bit by bit was trying to connect things that happened and I almost had like a searing pain in my stomach. Uh, it wasn't as hard as my chest but it was in my stomach and I couldn't identify what it was. Um, ultimately uh, everything I learned it had been a lot to do with overworking and, and stress and anxiety. It, it all built up and it had very physical manifestation and ultimately speaking with the 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 medical team and the support staff that were all fantastic in the hospital just, just outside London I was taken to, uh, I understood that i had suffered a fairly severe panic attack brought on by, uh, yeah, overwork and stress and anxiety around that, which I, which I hadn't seen coming. And that really changed things for me. I, I started to think a lot more about that and, and the ways in which organisations that you might be part of in terms of an employee, employer, also structures, family, friends, and how you can help to better look after yourself uh, in terms of mental health and well-being, and the importance of that, uh, and the reality that you know it's not just me. There's other people in these situations, and, and what can we do to to help improve that and help raise awareness? So it was a kind of thing me over the last few years. But hopefully that gives you a bit of context ahead of this conversation.
0: No, I really appreciate that, Jordan. Thanks so much for you being vulnerable and sharing that story. And I think, you know, it's even more powerful for me because, you know, without trying to make this a gender conversation, I think you and I both are acutely aware of the stats behind, you know, men generally not being as open as you've just been around challenges around mental health. So, so thank you for sharing that so openly. That's appreciated. Um, yeah. so, so moving sort of forward. So obviously we've come, we, we've been connected by Perry because you're, now setting up a business to try and help raise awareness around this sort of topic, I believe. Do you want to, do you want to talk a little bit about that, George? Yeah, so, so it, really did,
1: it really did hit me hard in, in the sense that, you know, I'd spent a long time in a certain career trying to achieve what I thought, a lot of things which I thought were important to me at the time. And some, when something like this happens, and you know, that, I'm sure some listeners may have experienced similar things. It really does change your perspective and, I, during that kind of recovery period, it, it takes a while to, to process and digest yourself what, what you, you've been through, what that means for you, and, and and what you ultimately want to do about it. And um, during the months that followed, it was very transformational for myself. And advice I was given, I found to be hugely therapeutic and beneficial for me, and, and the way I was planning to go ahead moving forward to make sure the, the, this sort of situation didn't arise again. And I particularly, benefited from breaking away from digital, taking 10 minutes to focus on something completely different outside my work routine or my daily routine. And essentially that was, you know, completing a puzzle or taking five minutes away to to think and ultimately switch it off from from that uh, day-to-day running the mill, as it were. Uh, That that was hugely, hugely beneficial for me. And I, I really do highly recommend that if anyone listening feels they're always going at 100 miles an hour just to take five minutes a day as a routine, whenever it might fit, to, to break away. And the thought at the time, you know what, there's this, there's this group of people, uh, again, as you say, yes, males, um, I think, uh, you know, as a group, maybe particularly vulnerable, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot of uh, women, men, elderly, younger that fit in this group. But that busy professional that's running about the city, um, or in, in whatever capacity in terms of work, you know, different verticals, but they're, they're busy. Life is so busy. The world around us is so busy. It feels like we're on 24-7. Uh, I thought, you know, there's a huge group of people here that, that are very aware of, you know, the five a day for physical health and aware of some of the health risks uh, that, that are more visible but actually, it, mental well-being and the ability to nurture and improve, protect and value your mental health aren't conversations really that group has necessarily or has we even really considered. So there's a risk of that creeping up and, you know, and a similar situation to myself arising for other people. And I really wanted to set about using some of the benefits I'd learned from my experience to help prevent that happening to others. So uh, in partnership with the Mental Health Foundation, we've set up an initiative to create pocketbooks uh, really handy, small, flexible, thin in your pockets and and that's structured so that every day for a month there 's a, a well being tip which is evidence based and, and research led with the mental health foundation, some of the fantastic work they do, and then also a little puzzle uh, and that 's a variety you know it stimulates different thinking different hemispheres of the brain, and ultimately just taking that time away to complete it and tick it off there 's a real sense of fulfillment and you know, It helps to open up that conversation. I think the visibility of having a little pocketbook open, you might want to do it on your commute, you might want to do it in your lunch break, you might want to just do it at home on your own, but the, 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 the benefit of that is not only hope helping to identify time and uh, uh, a way in your day to help improve your own health, but hopefully when other people see that it opens up that conversation and I think that's really important to just help encourage people to talk and listen uh I think that's hugely important so yeah that, that, that's what we 're working on and you know we're really pleased with some of the progress we're we're still early days for sure, but um we we're we're really pleased with some of the organizations that have taken the book on board to help their employees to raise awareness um you and I were just speaking before. We've now starting to work on a on a student edition. Uh, I see that as a group that we can really support with this sort of tool as well. Sure. So that's where we're at on the on the initiative.
0: Oh, that's that, that's brilliant, It's It's really really exciting time. Did you, can you just share the name of to your organisation and what the what they're actually called? And maybe just at this juncture, you know, what, what's the website? How can people actually access these these pocketbooks?
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested to learn more, there's a lot of information, um, mytimepuzzles.com. So that's mytimepuzzles.com. The, the initiative is known as My Time and it's in partnership with the Mental Health Foundation. Um, and there's a lot more information on the website um, and some contact information. If you'd like to get in touch to learn about the books, please do um, send us a message. Uh, and then with the partner the Mental Health Foundation, there's, there's a whole load of other support around that that we can, you know, we can put you in touch with as well.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. No, it's it fantastic. It's really, really, really inspiring stuff you're doing there for me, George. Um, you know, obviously we all sort of connected because Perry was aware I had my, probably not as severe as your, your panic attack, not that we're trying to compare, but, you know, I had a, a burnout certainly about two years ago. And it was really, really, really fascinating when, if I look back now myself as well, I just think, how did I not see it coming? You know, you know how did I not actually see that coming at all? And it's just, I find it quite, I think it's that early warning signals, and I think that's what Mm -hmm. I'm really pleased about with Mental Health Foundation as well. So after I had my experience a couple of years ago, I trained myself as a mental health first aider. And I think I've seen, is it Natasha Devinson, I've got a change.org campaign going around at the moment to try and make sure organisations legally have to have as many mental health first aiders as physical first aiders. I think she's pushing the government. Is that something you've been involved with at all, George, or or linked to
1: involved directly but i can can completely relate in the conversations i've had and some research you know it's absolutely right um i think there's there's two almost kind of two sides to this one um it's not visible and i think as a as a you know you you just know from the photo sharing social network instagram video i think as a group of people right now and at this moment in time we're very visual and uh, and one of the concerns with vulnerability, mental health, and well-being, particularly uh, in work, is not visible. If if you know if if you can see, you know, if someone comes in, you know, they're on crutches or they're you know they're, they're clearly in pain physically, you can respond to that and you can provide a you know a shoulder or a you know support unfortunately with with mental well-being it's not always visible um and I think those coaching techniques and you know bringing someone in with that sort of mental health training who can start to spot some of the potential signs is hugely hugely beneficial being able to identify things early to be able to provide support in a you know in a capacity that suits that individual I think is hugely hugely important and then secondly on that point I think around maybe particularly men, you know, I don't want to just keep referring to to, to the men and a and certain age group, but there is a, you know, that almost British, as well. you know, um, internally you might feel something's not quite right, but you want to just get on, you don't want to accept, you don't want to put your hands up and say there's something wrong, because there's this mentality, you know, oh yeah, I'm not feeling great, but you know what, I've got to do this, I've got to achieve this, I've got to keep up, I've got to keep up with the work, I've got to keep up with my colleagues, and, and you internally push it down and you, and you hide it away. But if there's people around you that can see that you're doing that and can actually help and open up and, and encourage you to identify that there's something not quite right. And you identify that at an early stage, it can be hugely, hugely beneficial. You know, as I said, with the books that we're working on, it's all about that prevention. Um, how can we do little things each and every day to help prevent this happening, to help people from, hiding it, burying it, letting it build up, and then ultimately, you know, bursting out within them and, and, and having implications. So I absolutely agree. Any little thing. I don't think there's one solution here. I think it's mm-hmm. raising the conversation, raising awareness, making people feel comfortable to talk about this and having those little support structures in each and every place um, to, to really address this um, because I think more and more, as work and life blend uh, and, you know, as, as technology evolves, y- you feel this sense of always being on. Mm-hmm. And I think, unfortunately, more and more, this could rise as a, as, 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 as a worrying situation for a lot of people out there. And having systems like me- trained mental health first aiders, uh, uh, the, the books that we're working on and, and other support tools around is only a really positive, positive thing.
0: No, I think it's really powerful what you're describing, it. and I love you emphasising the point around prevention as well, rather than cure. You know how poor NHS, of course, is. Uh, you know, constantly trying to to get to that sort of you know on the front foot, basically. And I think what, what's really jumping out for me, George, as you talk as well, you know, this digital switch off. So if I can just go back to that briefly. So when you had your sort of challenge, you spoke about you know the, the difficulty in actually switching off from digital. How does that look for you now? What, what you know? Do you, do you sort of do you have a certain time of the day? Have you come off all social media? Do you mind me asking? How, how do you manage that better now so to make sure that George doesn't sort of come across that sort of scenario again?
1: Yeah, um, I, again, it's different for every person. So I, I can only relate to sort of some of the research I'm starting to do now with the Mental Health Foundation over the last couple of years that I've seen, but also my own personal experience. So I do think, you know and it is different for different individuals there's different triggers and different stresses if I relate to my experience digital was one of those um I think there's a tendency um if you want to get on you want to achieve keeping up with the Joneses that sense of um chasing I do think that's uh endemic at the moment you know the the the, the population or particularly the demographic I'm in you know that that 30s in a career male in london in a big city i do think there's that kind of culture and part of that is you know can i respond you know can i appear on my email every hour of the day can i respond to this can i be ever present what little things can i do particularly you know via email or via other digital channels to uh, best position myself for that next promotion or for that next job opportunity how can i how can i edge um give myself a little bit of an edge by responding quickest and fastest and i think that is almost uh what i'm looking for it's if you can cut if you can actually take time to say you know what i've these hours i'm going to be on this device i'm going to be available and i'm going to commit myself but then be really strict with yourself and say after that period actually I'm not, I'm going to take a break and that's going to help me be my best self the next time I come to work or the next time I face a a work situation. You'll find, or I found, that actually work, growth, opportunities, progression, you become a better version of yourself because you're not drained and you're not just chasing for the sake of chasing. You actually become more selective. You identify where you should focus your time and energy and you allow yourself those breaks to then come back to the work environment in a really refreshed energized way so for me in answer to your question i'm sorry i've gone around the there but i was just trying to give the context for me i just now say right these are the hours i'm going to be focused and concentrated and these hours i'm not or i don't look at uh, i don't go on linkedin or i don't look at emails i don't allow notifications on my phone i don't even use my phone after 8 30 at night um and and they're the kind of ways I restrict myself I'm not going to be chasing every message I'm going to be selective this is important this is important I'm going to focus my time and energy on that if I have time for other things great but if I get to that time in the day I'm not going to spend every minute replying to everything instead I'm going to be selective focused and concentrate my hours within a time frame and then come back the next day as refreshed as possible that, that, that's the way I have found again it's one of those little things as I was touching on you know having some structures in place having a mental health first aid having some of your own personal guidelines to work towards these little things can all make huge huge uh, positive uh, benefits uh, when they're added up
0: yeah that's yeah that, that, that resonates with me a lot uh, as well George to be honest I think well, what I find interesting as we talk, you sort of we started the conversation around, you know, rightly around you know our own chat, what well, your own challenge, you know, the challenges we both had, mental health first aid, and then you start to go out, you, you sort of start zoom out a little bit and start looking in, then you start looking at organisational culture, and okay, whether it's generational, whether it's stereotype, however you want to look at it, it's interesting, isn't it? Like so you say, you summarise so eloquently that demographic that you're you're in or you were were within. So you know, what why is it why is it that that demographic in that locale feels that that's the only way to get on is to be ever present to you know do you know what I mean it's a really fascinating cultural I don't know it's almost like a taboo not to do it you know if you're not seen to be doing the sort of midnight email or you know constantly available you know it's going to hamper your chance of promotion that's it's almost toxic isn't it it's almost a toxic sort of scenario
1: it is yeah and it's you know it's it's a big world, and there's lots of people out there, and there's lots of different groups. And I think it's it's it's, it's easy for me to, to to say I understand that group and I relate to that group more. And these are the reasons I think it's vulnerable. I'm sure there's lots of the pockets, and I'm learning this more and more of my research. That actually, you know, there's lots of different vulnerable groups, but mm-hmm. I do believe, and having and being part of that group, that you know, there's this sense, there's this real sense. Cost of living's going up. There's a lot of political change. There's um essentially you know, that group has come through typically, um, obviously not exclusively, but typically through uh, university or higher education. So there's an element of debt that needs to be repaid. That group then needs to find somewhere to live, usually within a city vicinity to kind of chase the careers or jobs or, uh, you know, occupations they're looking for, because they they tend to be centralised around London for the time being, for sure. I know work's being made to spread that out across England, but we're still quite London centric for a lot of those jobs. So, that group of people are coming from environments where they have an element of debt, they're then having to rent because the property is expensive, they're then paying back and they're working long hours to do that. And then they're, they're, they're wanting and demanding almost uh, growth opportunities to fulfill the ambition to then get onto the property ladder to repay those debts and to progress. Mm. And not only is that then competitive within the organization, because these businesses as well have gone through huge transformation right. over the last you know, 10 years. Technology's you know revolutionized businesses and businesses as a whole, structurally, you know, you know, process people to technology, huge transformation. And you know, and leaders aren't consciously trying to, you know, not put their people first in instances. It's just there's a lot on the plate, there's a lot on the agenda and, and the implication digital and technology isn't really fully understood. So, so it's not like this is a conscious culture. It's just, it's, it's happened and it is happening around us. And what can we do to address it? But then I think as well, because of that nature and competitive nature, longer hours, the uh, unknowns, the pace at which life is moving, the pace at which technology is moving, then there's also competition amongst that group um, because ultimately you, your friends, your network, you're kind of all in that same boat and you're all competing. So then outside of work, there's almost this culture as well, you know, in the pubs, uh, you know, the uh, various hobbies, uh, you know, whether it be running tennis, after work, there's this culture where it's, you know, a little bit of competition amongst your own network. And I think those things coupled together have, have helped create this toxic environment. And actually, the more we can start to inject, you know, you said this really well at the top, the human into humanity and, you know, be human, not hidden. Slight changes here can make a real difference. Uh, Not only in terms of positivity, but I personally think for business success, you know, getting all your people to be the best, putting their best foot forward, uh, enjoying uh, the culture, enjoying the work, uh, being happy and healthy. It sounds you know, like soft metrics, but from my experience, there's some real hard ROI in that, in terms of creating innovative opportunities and bringing new life into business. Um, you know, I, I do think it's a bit of a toxic culture, and I think little changes can really help address it.
0: No, that's that, that, that's huge, man. And I, mean, I actually really, I really like your angle. Actually, George, um, we spoke about the implication of technology, and actually, you know, sometimes I can be, you know, I'll, I'll say it here on the on this podcast, sometimes I can even be a little bit of a naysayer. I try and be positive, but like, why aren't the leaders, you know, more empathetic? Why aren't they more open? Why, can't, why aren't they listening more to their people? But as you say, to some extent, how many leaders go into work on Monday at nine o'clock and really want to upset their staff? I'm sure there's not that yeah. many that that, that that psychopathic. So it's a really interesting question uh, you've given there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I completely, people are people. I don't believe there's any intent or any, Neglect or is anything being put above the health or, or well being employees? I just believe there's a lot on people's plates. There's a lot of change. And also, you know what you've, you're, you're a product almost of the, of the culture you've been brought through. And yes, change happens and you get, you learn and you adapt new things. But a lot of these businesses over the last 10, 20 years, the leaders at the top of those organizations have come through, you know, they, they've grown in one way of doing things. And this change is just happening so quickly that it's catching people unawares. And don't get me wrong there's some really huge and you know really inspirational um leaders out there and companies more now than ever that are doing new and innovative things and all we want to do is help raise awareness around that and spread that further because there's also a huge group that haven't quite adapted or changed and you know and I don't think there's any um one particular reason for that it's just the evolution of technology, the evolution of change, the, the evolution of expectation from both a kind of customer for any business, but, uh, and then a, uh, a colleague of any business, you know, ultimately we're all customers, people, we're all leaders, we're all employees, we're all employers. Mm. How can we best, how can we best identify the human? And help everyone achieve more. And it's a huge, and it's a grandiose question. And I don't think there's a, a one fixed solution. I really believe it's you know it's great podcasts like this listening to little things and making little differences um, each and every day that that's what I believe in little differences and ultimately that was the, the bottom line of what helped me me um, I just tried to make little changes to my to my lifestyle my daily routine um, and it's it's practical you know when I'm not I, I didn't suddenly say, right, I'm not going to work. I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to move out of London. I'm going to do this and this. It was, that wasn't practical. Switch off a bit of technology in the evenings. Take five minutes a day to complete a puzzle. Make sure I do the things that I find beneficial to my well-being. So going for a run. Make sure you take time to do that. Make sure you get a good sleep. And those little things that are practical add up. And it made a wholesale change. I'm now pursuing... Uh, you know, day to day, this initiative to get it off the ground. And I find myself so passionate about it and happy and content. And, it, you know, everything, you know, things do happen for a reason. If you can just bring out your best self, you will go on to achieve, uh, you know, a level of fulfilment, accomplishment and, you know, kind of happiness that um, you might not have thought was achievable before. I believe that comes from little changes, not not, not something
0: called yeah, no, uh, I, I, that that really resonates with me as well. And I, th- and I think, you know, your your pocketbooks are clearly a great way for for people. And again, just to remind people that, that might still be with us so mytimepuzzles.com is where you can get these these pocketbooks that George has been developing. So I think what, what you've really le- led to as well for me is actually around the inclusion part, which is, uh, I guess one of my questions, George, at the moment is still, yeah, you've got the pace of change, you've got you know, pace of change, things are very volatile, okay, I haven't talked about this booker world, but I think more than that, I'm excited personally, because how would you and I have met, you know, five or 10 years ago? You know, it would not have been as easy as it has been, and I think it's the same with so many people in my network now, that the world is getting smaller, but I think in a really good way. You know, there are people out there that are prepared just to pick up the phone and have a chat. You know, you can build a network, a peer-to-peer network. Um, You know, it doesn't all have to be technology-based, and I just... I feel like actually humanity is making a comeback. That sounds a really grand, grand statement, uh, but, but I can't help feeling it. It's, I don't know, there's, there's, there's an undercurrent of us starting to connect a bit more, despite what we might see out in the media. I don't know what your take is on that. Yeah.
1: I really, I really agree. I think there's a renaissance in all sort of non-digital activity. From spending time together um the, you know like you say face to face but also the rise in things like board games and uh, you know more t- traditional sort of puzzles and activities that are taking people away from digital, I think you know, there's been so much talk and so much emphasis on digital and the revolution and the world is in all these apps, but actually you know it, <sighs> there's something very uh, human is not the right word, but there's something and taking a week and sitting down with someone and concentrating on something where you're not inundated with a whole load of information at one time, it allows you to naturally take time to breathe and ask questions. Anything that encourages real talk and real listening, active listening, um, I think is a real positive. And I agree. I think there is a renaissance in that. I think people are craving it. Almost. Um, when you're, when you're on a digital channel, you, you're kind of on it 10% because you, you're doing emails here, you're checking a report there, you're on WhatsApp here, you're on you know other social media there. It's never really got your full attention and therefore it's not got your full attention. It's definitely not got your full active listening attention. And actually, I think when you hear the stories of other people and when you can resonate and relate and learn and empathise, that's when you become a better version of yourself. So any situation where it encourages active listening, whether that be a board game, a walk you know just a simple conversation where you're really listening to that individual who you may be with i think it's hugely refreshing and, and i think there's more and more appetite for that as you say
0: oh it's lovely really really lovely isn't it it's really funny if you look back sort of 10 or 15 years no one would have been talking about no, the, re- the really sort of human skills of empathy and listening being so important it's fascinating isn't it
1: it, it is and uh, you know on a bigger scale i think there's a lot of yeah people say uh, fake news truths and you know digital technology is fantastic for many many things um but it's also you know very quick to spread sometimes the wrong things the wrong information and that can empower people in the wrong ways and send out the wrong messages but actually when you speak to someone face-to-face and real story um you know, outcomes might be very different and um i think on a on a, on a bigger scale slightly moving above and beyond the kind of well-being conversation we're having. But um I think when you actually get to meet people, understand them, understand their way of life, understand their outlook, um, learn from them, share with them, you become a better person, they become a better person. And, and that on a micro level, you know, that's the fabric of society. If we can encourage these conversations to improve the health and well-being of individuals and through that, encourage active listening, encourage active learning, encourage the bringing together of people and culture you know society can only get better uh, and that's another level to this conversation but it's something that I, th- I think is, is, is huge right now why do we you know why not encourage cohesiveness and togetherness at a time where it seems like there's so much separation and individuality and sorry, not individuality, separation and, and uh, wanting to break away and, and be in individual uh, uh, for me personally and everyone's got their own take on this but i think you know together in whatever capacity is oh you still there
0: george
1: yes i'm still there i'm still there
0: sorry i thought, thought i lost you there so no that's great no thanks, thanks. do you know something you talk about this chat sort of we, we did start with well-being we start with mental health but you know you're coming to the crux of it though but for me, to be completely honest, which, you know, we are all connected and I've actually been on some really powerful um, learning experience over the last few weeks. Um did um, a three day retreat called Quality of Mind with a guy called Piers Thurston. And I'm not a, yeah, I'm not a religious spiritual person, but I definitely have got a more spiritual understanding of how we are all connected. Following doing this sort of mind, sort of understanding how the mind works inside out rather than outside in, and it's Mm. completely transformed how I saw my mental health challenge. So Mm. literally, a month ago, I thought that the fact that my work wasn't going as well as it could have done, that I believed that I'd never progress, I believed that I wasn't good enough. So there's all these things that I believe the outside world was telling me, George, but on reflection, Mm. I understand how the mind works inside out. I was actually telling myself that stuff. I told myself so many stories, had layered up thoughts that I went bang. Not one person actually said, Gary, you're not good enough. Gary, you'll never be successful. Gary, you can't do this. Everything was in my own head. And now I've got that clarity. It's incredible, George, absolutely incredible clarity that I did that to myself. It's quite fascinating.
1: Yeah. Again, those transformational life lessons, it it wasn't something necessarily wholesale, but a little learning can unlock so much more potential and understanding of the world. Um, Similarly, I, me a fantastic book Grit by Angela Duckworth and oh, yes. another book on Daring Greatly by Brené Brown mm-hmm. um, she did a fantastic TED Talk as well which I think is a great business to pick out but both of those uh, similar transformational lessons for me just if you can take little nuggets and understand but it all starts from that starting point of you know being aware Two years ago, I wasn't actively looking for these things. I wasn't aware of my own situation. And I, I do think there's a big group. So just having these conversations, it's, that's, that's the starting point on the journey. And it's fascinating to unlock more and more about yourself. It's really, really fascinating. And I think the point you make there, we spend so much time worrying about how we fit in, how we're seen at work, how we're seen amongst a friendship group. I think if you asked your listeners to just think for one minute about how much time do you actually spend in the present moment, how much time do you spend thinking about yourself not from a material point of view necessarily or you know my next holiday or my next date but actually internalize how you're feeling. I think two things I'd I'd leave this conversation on is for everyone to actively think about how often do you spend in the present moment and how often do you really think about your your own self from an internal point of view. and that, those two kind of thoughts really resonate with me and, uh, and, help, and help me now look at each and every day with a different filter.
0: Oh, that's, that's really big. I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware, you, you probably won't be with the way you manage your social media now. Um, George, we actually set up following a learning um, event at Learn Connect Do, led by Helen Amory. And it was a topic of self-care, basically back mm. in March. And we decided to set up a Twitter chat that happens every Tuesday at eight o'clock which is a bit ironic, because we're talking about self-care, and actually, you know, sort of managing your digital. But if, what I would say is if anyone's interested in actually getting involved in that in that Twitter chat, I'll say it's eight o'clock every Tuesday night on Twitter, called hashtag self weekly. And why we've done that is very much to try and actually facilitate this conversation, to actually have people from different backgrounds, diverse backgrounds, different sectors, different ex- life experience, just to talk about, you know, what do they do for their self-care? What do they find difficult? What works well, you know? The, 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 you know however they approach trying to make sure that they do exactly what you're describing George and that's get be present and actually make sure that they actually look after themselves because I think we can feel guilty can't we we can I think particularly if I look at my my other half and I think I think working mums in particular carry so much guilt that self-care is the last thing on their list to be thinking about right. yet you know it's the number one thing they should be looking after I feel
1: yeah I absolutely agree uh, you know whatever well, role as leader of an organisation or leader of group there's a million and one things happening and it's just being aware taking time and making these little changes and it can make a real difference So i completely agree gary
0: oh it's amazing look we had a great chat and we've gone over the half hour so i'm conscious that you're uh, you're in italy well i won't say any more so have fun with that can you let maybe let listeners know how they can reach out to you in sort of our email website just just as a reminder yeah
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Well, thanks so much. First of all, I really enjoy being part of these conversations. So thank you, Gary. And then if anyone wants to get in touch, uh, George Kiley uh, on LinkedIn, K-I-L-E-Y, feel free to connect. Uh, I'd love to have conversations around this. Uh, And as I said, mytimepuzzles.com. You can learn a little bit more and there's some contact information there. Uh, And we are partners with the Mental Health Foundation So do. Please check them out as well. They've got some fantastic research and ongoing projects.
0: That's oh, absolutely amazing. Well, uh, thank you again for, for for sharing your story so openly, George, and uh, I look forward to catching up with you soon.
1: Yeah, me too. Take care, Gary. Have
0: Cheers. Bye bye. Cool. Hi there. This is your host, Gary Turner, just wrapping up this excellent podcast with George Kiley. There are a number of additional takeaways that I thought I would share with you. The first one is around the prioritisation of our own individual self-care. This reminds me of the recent Helen Amory Learn Connect Do, where we actually focus on self-care. And it was really fascinating, just pretty much everybody that was present at that particular event, really saw it as almost selfish to look after one's self-care. And George was giving a really compelling argument and, and, and rationale as to why it's so important that we do look after our own self-care first. And if you always think about that being on a plane and what they always say, you know, you cannot help other people unless you've actually first got your own oxygen mask on. And I think that, that really resonates with me with regards to looking after ourselves, whether it be mentally, whether it be physically, we cannot help those around us unless we're actually looking after ourselves first. so That's something that really came through loud and clear for me today. And for anybody that's interested, the hashtag weekly takes place every Tuesday at 2000 GMT on Twitter. So that might be something that, that could be helpful for those that wish to take part. One of the most powerful takeaways for me as well, with regards to the chat with George today, was around the importance of community. So community and support. So whether that would be immediate, immediate friends and family, whether that be at work, you know, really building a network of support around a building positive self-care habits, but also having someone to talk to, feeling able to to you know to be yourself. And a number of times George referred to this, you know, bringing your whole self. I think that's so so important at the moment, and I'm really starting to see this link between people's mental well-being and psychologically safe psychological safety. So the work by Amy Edmondson on, on psychological safeties. Is something I'm really passionate about at the moment and, and trying to dive deep into. And I'm really seeing these, the links and, and the parallels between both positive self-care, emotional and mental well-being and psychological safety. So that's something I'm going to be exploring further. George also referenced the, the needs and the importance of being present. And this is something I'm really, really, that really, really resonates with me because, you know, as I explain on this podcast, you know, the lack of me being present and living with my thoughts in the future is what ultimately led to my particular burnout a couple of years ago. So I think it's a really strong message from George. How can we all be more present, more well in the moment, and actually be looking after our self-care where we can influence it, which is only now. We can't influence what happened in the past or what happens in the future. And that was really, really powerful for me. And just to reiterate the, the book choices that uh, George referenced, the so first of all was Angela Duckworth's Grit. That's not a book that I've read yet, although I have heard a lot of good things about it. Um, also, the other book was Daring Greatly by Brené Brown, and I've got that one to read. I haven't read it as yet. But another recommendation I can also make, uh, another one by Brené Brown, is Braving the Wilderness. This one is fantastic and yeah, also gives you a, a bit of a model you can potentially use for yourself and also for those around you, the braving model. And I think, you know, all of these all of these books around, not just about being more aware, but just about being more true, being true to yourself. You know, bringing your whole self, as, as George was speaking about, you know, by actually trying to truly live a life based on who we are, the authentic self, you know, it's only going to be a positive thing, will ultimately help us all manage that, our self-care and therefore our mental health more positively. So really love this chat today. I'm hoping it's the first of many where we actually dive into other topics around inclusion, self-awareness and vulnerability, and I think this has been a great discussion that touches on all three of those areas. So thanks for your time please do feedback directly to George. You can see his contact details in the show notes or back to myself. And again, it's Gary Turner Zero, um, sorry, at Gary Turner Zero with two R's on Twitter or via my LinkedIn page, Gary Turner. So have a great time. I hope you found this interesting, but please do feed us back. And if if you have enjoyed this, please do give us a rating on Apple Podcasts just so we can try and spread the the message of positive discussions around inclusion, self-awareness and vulnerability. Thank you. Really hoping that you enjoyed that exploration on the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. You can find out much more about Hexo Change at hexochangenow.com. That's H-E-X-O Change Now, one word, dot com. You can subscribe to a weekly newsletter at that website, which includes information about live stream conversations, further service offerings, blogs, but also our in-person events of which we have multiple each year. So I really hope that you'll join us. Do connect with me, Gary Turner on LinkedIn, and I really hope to hear from you soon.